All right, boys and girls, we are here with another episode of Podcast Me Anything. And today we're going to talk about the art of being a guest and finding guests for your show. And having guests can be such a crucial part of the podcasting experience in a lot of different ways. And we're excited to learn all about that. We are talking with Alex and Filippo. He is the host of Creating a Brand Podcast. He's also the founder of Podmatch.com. And that's a service specifically to help hosts and guests connect and get on each other's show. Alex, thanks so much for joining us here on Podcast Me Anything. Yeah, Matthew, I appreciate you having me. Huge fan of the show, so I'm really excited to be here with you today. Well, thank you very much. It's nice to meet my fan. So before we get into Podmatch, take us through real quickly, what is creating a brand? What's the show all about there? Yeah, so it's a podcast. Believe it or not, I have one, just like everybody, (laughs) right? Um, Everyone who listens to this has got to have a podcast as well. But I got into it a few years ago, and creating a brand was my second podcasting project, if you will. And it's one of those things that I just didn't see that same type of material out there. I couldn't find it at least. So I wanted to offer something that's more like a masterclass feel episode for entrepreneurs that are early in their journey. So people that are just getting started, maybe they've taken a step or two into it and they have an idea for what they want to do. Maybe they've even got a little bit of traction, but not too far into it. So the idea was let's offer a masterclass episode, which is just not a lot of conversation. It's more so I bring on a subject matter expert or somebody who's an author in the space that would really help somebody take that next step. And they just go through five points for this and six ways to do that type of thing. We just really drive through it quickly and try to keep the episode somewhat short for the listeners. And it's gone really well. The audience that listens to it is very engaged and they really appreciate that type of content. I get a lot of love for it, if you will. And it's been really fun to be part of. So yeah, creating a brand. So shorter masterclass episodes. Once a week, we let an episode and it's really been impactful for those entrepreneurs. It almost sounds like you're doing like audio listicles in your podcast. Yeah. 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 It's a good way to say it. Yeah. Which are fantastic ways to learn, by the way. So I love that. I mean, maybe we can talk about some ways that I can bring a listicle of sorts or some content to your show. But let's talk more about Podmatch. So first of all, for everybody at home who hasn't heard of it, and that was including myself before we saw this and it just launched, you said June when we, when we were jumping on the call. What is Podmatch and what do we do with it? Well, I didn't come up with this, but I've had a number of people send me reviews on it and they call it the Tinder of podcasting. So it's basically a a service that will automatically uses an algorithm to match podcast guests and hosts together. So basically, if you like to talk about podcasting, it will find podcast hosts that have podcasts about podcasting. I said podcast too many times, but you know, you get the idea, right? It could be any sort of topic. If you're a comedian and you're looking for comedy podcasts to get on, it'll automatically make those matches. And it's not just based off of the topic, but also what podcast hosts are looking for in their ideal guests. So example, we have some podcasts on that they feature only guests over the age of 50. They want people that are retired. So they automatically say, I don't want anyone under the age of 50. We want someone that's actually in retirement. I guess it's probably 65, whatever it is, something around those ages. And it automatically won't match them with people of that age. We have some that are just women-only podcasts, and those are only going to find women for them to match with. So the idea was, could we make something that would make it easier, the entire process of finding a guest and host to basically do high-quality interviews together with? So the idea of applying AI to this experience is so interesting. What is your background? Where do you have the expertise to execute on that? Because AI is not easy to work with. Yeah. First off, I have to give a disclaimer here. I'm not the guy who's designing it. So I'm not the actual coder in the background. I've come up with the concept, had the idea. I am not the guy who's written the software to do this and all of that. So I I can't get too technical on that side. I, I do have some sense of it, but for me, it was, could it be done was the question. And the first place I actually looked is I went to a couple different 
dating websites. I've been married for seven years. I've never done online dating until this year with my wife's permission um, to just see how it worked. So I used Hinge and I used a couple others that people said were the best of the best. And they all have this AI matching core. And it's very similar to what we designed. I basically kind of took the same concept and sent it to a partner of mine who's my partner in Podmatch. We've worked together before, but said, hey, could you remake something like this? He's like, yeah, it would take a little bit of time, but we could totally do this. And we just kind of went for it. I have to assume too that even with an AI, it's difficult to really know whether or not you're making a good match. So where's the human element in it? Can I scroll through the directory and find shows? Do I have a chance to analyze the suggestions that are being sent my way through the AI? How does that work? Good question, because I think that's what really separates us. We have the matching side of things, and there'll be a number of matches. And if you're saying, no, this one isn't a good match, then we're evaluating, or I say we, the computer is evaluating <laughs> that information, right? And deciding what to do with it next time around. It's not instant at this point. We're just not at that level of development, but you wait a 24-hour period and it'll come back with new matches to help you decide, okay, does this look better? Okay, no, it doesn't. All right, we'll keep on filtering through them. But we found pretty early that the matches it's bringing are pretty good. And we offer a percentage to say, this is a 75% match. This is an 80% match. And then anything that's lower than a certain point, we're not going to show you. But we, so yes, yeah, so we have the matching side. We also have an explore page, which will allow you to just do custom searches, completely custom searches. I mean, if you're looking for a certain age, you're looking for a certain gender, you're looking for somebody who's local to you that you can record in person with, you can do all these different types of things uh, just on the explore page to go through the entire database of Podmatch users. And so I literally, because I hadn't heard of it, I'm building a profile as we were doing our pre-interview talk and I'm going through it. You ask some really interesting questions and you ask for some really interesting information. For example, you want to be able to put our social media links, but then you actually look for us to put in our followers and friends and things like not individually, but like the numbers. What was the thing in there? Yeah. So we actually found pretty early on through some of the feedback that we were doing in alpha testing that many of the hosts or guests, they wanted to have an idea of how big the social presence was of either the podcast or the guest. And we found that they were doing that by a lot of them doing manual clicks. So they'd, for me, I'm on a Windows computer, you hold down control <laughs> and you click on all the different social links that are on the profiles. And we had a lot of people doing that. And a lot of them saying, hey, is there any way you could calculate how many followers people have? Unfortunately, that tech is a lot of work. So right now it's a manual entry for everybody, but we're working on actually making it where we'll automatically pull that information. We're just not quite there yet. But yeah, the idea was we can show people that information so they're able to have an idea of the audience size, if you will. We slightly discourage people from searching that because I don't believe that just because you have a million followers doesn't mean that you're going to be a good podcast host or guest. So we try to discourage as much as we can so we don't like publicize it too much. But it was one of those things that was one of our top three features that people were asking for. So we went ahead and threw it in there during the alpha phase. Okay. So like you said, you just started to build this. You're adding all sorts of new features without giving away too much. What are some of the ideas, right? What are some of the visions that you have for this platform so people who want to jump in early can be there when they come out? First of all, I'll kind of backtrack a little bit as to why we did this. It was actually PodFest, not Global Summit. That was the one that just happened digitally. <laughs> Expo, one in, it was just Multimedia Expo. That's what it was. The one in 2020 or the one in 2019? In 2020. I actually met okay. you at the one in 2019. That's right. We did meet at the one in 2019. Yeah. And I guess we were both at 2020, but it was so big, we didn't get a chance to actually see each other. Exactly. But we say we were both there for the listeners. Conferences used to happen in person. That was like a thing. What? <laughs> People would shake hands. They would hug. Believe it or not, it was real. And anyway, um, so the world has changed quite a bit. But anyway, while I was there, one of my goals was to see, hey, is anybody struggling with anything in the podcasting space? 
So anybody I sat down with, I just asked them, I'm like, hey, what's what's kind of struggle? What are you struggling with in podcasting? And I had people continuously saying, well, I'm really struggling to find guests or I'm struggling to be a guest. And yes, there are the booking agents. Interview Valet is one of my favorites. Great company. Tom does an awesome job, but he'll be the one to tell you this. Not everyone can afford it. It's not for everybody. So I was like, well, what about the rest of us that just aren't at the level where that makes sense yet, right? We just can't pour out the money for that right now. How can we do this? So there were some directory services out there. So I'm, I'm not saying that we're the only one. However, we were the first ones doing a true matching and we really wanted to help offer that solution to the industry. So we decided to go for it. The idea I can remember it was actually March 10th, 2020, when the idea ended up on a whiteboard right behind me where we're recording right now. I started mapping it out. And that same night, I pitched it to my friend who I'd worked with before. And, and then June 15th, the same year, we were actually in that early beta test after doing a short alpha. We really ramped up quick, but we really want to serve the podcasting industry. And because of that, we have a free version and a paid version. But the way we like to say it is the free version works for 90% of users. There'd be no reason for them to ever upgrade to the professional plan. That's for the power users that really, I guess, are kind of the influencers in the podcasting space that would be interested in that. But the idea really, to answer your question in a very long way, is just how can we really serve the podcasting space? And this was our solution. I feel like this is kind of the niche, the area that we just knew we could have the most impact to really add value to people's lives. All right. So now we've talked about the platform. We talked about what it's doing. You have a really interesting affiliate program where if you have a free account, you get an affiliate link and you guys give out some really cool rewards, but you have to go pro to get an actual commission off everything. What was the thinking there? I'm not, this isn't a knock. I'm just curious because a lot of folks are just like, yeah, anybody can become of our affiliate program or some platforms like only our users who pay can become part of our affiliate program. So I'm just curious what the thinking was between these two tiers of affiliation. It's a good question. It's actually a little bit unique. I think I haven't seen anybody else doing this and we might find that it doesn't work great. You know, <laughs> we, we might find that. But right now when I was thinking about how could we have users drive themselves on instead of us just having to do crazy marketing and things like that, which we're not against doing, but how could we really make it generate its own leads and things like that? I looked at two companies. I looked at Dropbox and I looked at Morning Brew, which is Morning Brew is not as popular as Dropbox, but it's kind of, it's just an email that comes out every day about like, I guess, high level news across the world, like tech news, all kinds of like just random things. Keeps you in the loop. It comes every morning. But the way they did it was like kind of the swag way, right? You can earn hats, T-shirts, mugs, all those different type of things just for inviting people. And so that's one of the things we wanted to do for people that are free users across the board. We want to reward them that way. And then the way we kind of implemented the Dropbox feature was if you want more matches every week, which... Again, most people are going to be fine with what we give them, but if they want more, invite a friend. And if the friend joins, we're going to double how many you have. So you're actually able to see more of your matches and do more searches as well. So that was kind of the idea on the free plan. The only difference with the paid one is if you're paid, then you get a commission as well, in addition to those other things. It's a very interesting model. And you're right, it's not one that I've seen in a lot of places. And I hope it works because right, I think in some cases, companies are too quick to just give away money to people who help them out and sometimes that winds up biting them in the butt or they wind up doing it to a point and then they say oh yeah we can't we got to pull back and so like it's harder it's going to be more difficult if you wind up disappointing your customers your audience your clients versus if you can turn around and say you know what this is working so well everyone's getting paid and then it's like woohoo right like you'd much rather create excitement than disappointment in, right. in your user base hey thank you for calling it interesting by the way that was really nice 
Well, you know, <laughs> if if my family is listening to this, they're all going to joke like, how does he mean interesting? We have a joke in the family that when you say interesting, because my mother loves to say interesting, and she always says, and you're like, you mean you don't like it. So <laughs> Wait a minute, interesting the like way it? mom means it, <laughs> which is not how I meant it. Uh, <laughs> all right, Matthew. All right. <laughs> I will call it's a unique model. How's that? Yes, <laughs> it is. Yes. And we're, we're testing some things out. Let's put it that way. We've implemented two of my favorites and then a little bit of whatever came off my very random mind. So we're going to see how it goes. All right. All right. Well, I am signing up. We'll have a link in the show notes for this, obviously, to sign up for Podmatch. I'll put my affiliate link in there. And I'm going to see if I can get to 40 so I can get the artwork because if it's the same artwork that came at a PodFest, those are amazing. She does a great job, and I'd love to get my hands on one of those too. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Now, we're talking about the platform. It is very slick. It is very cool. It's, you know, using AI. The design is nice, right? The whole thing runs pretty smoothly. But let's, let's talk a little bit about finding a guest. First of all, why do we all think being a guest and having guests is such a great strategy for the podcast. I'll speak for myself. I don't have much to say if I'm going to be honest, you know, like <laughs> if I was just doing a solo cast, I'd be like, man, this guy is boring. You know, like I think we bring on guests because of the unique perspectives that every human can bring. And I think that that's what's made podcasting so interesting for me. And yeah, there's a lot of solo cast out there, but I love interviews. I love listening to interviews. It just gives you I mean, you feel like you're part of a conversation that's fairly intimate. And I enjoy that element of it. And just hearing everyone's different perspectives. And when you find a show that gives you someone's perspective that you've never heard before, and they continuously do that every single week, that's a place you want to stay, right? You want to stay with that podcast. So for me, I just see the power in interviews, especially when they're high quality. But I think some people get it really wrong, which we could talk about here. But really, the big thing is just, I think it's a powerful medium. Fair enough. And so what are some of the steps for finding your next ideal guest? I think that the very first thing that I like to tell people when it comes to finding a guest is you need to define the guest. So you need to actually know what are you looking for in a guest before you can just go after it? Because I think a lot of people, that, especially when they're new, they just grab on that. Oh yeah, you want to be a guest? You want to be a guest? Okay, come on, come on, come on, come on. Doing interviews is a lot of work and producing them, getting them launched. The worst thing you could do in podcasting is wake up one year after you launched, have, let's say you did one a week, 52 episodes and realize you had no direction with it. Your guests were all extremely random. There was no trend or anything like that. It's because so many of us, we don't define that ideal guest and make sure we know who they are. I think the very first thing you need to do is, is sit down and say, okay, where do I want this podcast to go? What's the goal that we're going to achieve for the audience, the people that are trusting me to listen to this podcast? And I believe it starts with that. And I actually write that down. And some people call it an avatar, but it's really important that you make sure you know who you're looking for. So you can say no to the wrong people who want to be on your show, not in a mean way, but just because you have some clarity as to where you want it to go. Okay. I think that's like part of just the whole aura of podcasting is making sure you know why you're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. There's no point in just podcasting into the void for the fun of it. So what's the next step? So after that, I think that you want to create some sort of public page, whether it's on a website, whether it's PDF, whatever it is, something that really tells your ideal guests when they come to you or you find them, you can say, okay, here is what I'm looking for. This is the way that my podcast flows. This is who's listening to it. Give them the description from Apple. Give them the social links so they can see some of what you do on, on social media give them some noteworthy episodes, all things like this is really going to be important to make what, you know, from a guest perspective, you call it a one sheet, but it's just like a public page that really helps people understand what they're getting into. So if I'm going to be a guest on your show, Matthew, which I did, I went to your website and I read about who your audience is. I wanted to see who's listening. I wanted to see a little bit about how it usually flows. And if you can provide that information, because not all guests are going to do that. 
if you can give them something that's one page, really short, high quality, so they know exactly what they're stepping into, they're more likely to speak to your audience. Before I did this, I had a guest come on who was speaking to Fortune 500 CEOs. And my podcast is for brand new entrepreneurs. Talk about like the wrong, he could have just as easily spoken to entrepreneurs, but he kept on thinking like, okay, I usually speak to Fortune 500 CEOs. So that's who he was like, his mindset was the whole time. But if he would have, if I would just give him a one page little sheet that said, this is for brand new entrepreneurs, he would have spoken a lot differently. So I think the next thing that I would say again is have that public page where people can see what your podcast is really about so they know how to be a good guest for you. Okay. So define your audience, make it easy to explain who that is to your potential guests. What else? I think that the next thing that I would mention is to start looking for guests yourself. The one thing about podcasting is it's not one of those things that you build it and they will come, unfortunately. I always say that. Would you say? I always say that to people. I probably got it from you then. (laughs) I won't claim it today. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think that we expect to build it and the money's going to pour in. People are going to be lined about the door, like wanting to be a guest. It just doesn't happen. You start and it's not any different than the day before you launched really. And I'm not trying to be negative about or anything like that, but you have to be willing to start looking for those guests and going after it. And there's a lot of ways to do this. If you're really big in social media, whatever your most ideal platform is, start looking for guests through that. You can use the directory services and there's a lot of directory services out there where you can just kind of look up lists of different podcast guests and hosts and you can look at it on networks and see what they have there. You can get on a distribution list. I mentioned Interview Valet earlier and Interview Connections is another one. If you can get in contact with their staff and tell them, hey, I'm a serious podcaster, they're likely at some point in your journey to add you to their list and they'll tell you when they have new people looking to be interviewed. So it'll help you really be able to find some people and they all have their one sheet so you'll be able to know if they're a good fit. And then the other thing is another place to find it. Obviously, we talked about Podmatch. You use a tool like Podmatch. You sign up for it and you can actually start looking for those ideal people. But yeah, this next step is really start searching for those high quality guests that are really going to serve your audience well. And then obviously you got to start reaching out to them. Yeah. Yeah. You got to start reaching out and you got to start vetting and things like that as you're going through it. But the outreach side of things can be mismanaged, I'd say copy pasting something really doesn't work. I'm really against that. And just saying, hey, will you be a guest also doesn't usually work, especially if you're going after somebody like Matthew, who has a name in the industry. I don't know, Matthew, if I asked you to be a guest, would you just say yes? Or would you be like, who are you? You know, like you'd want a little bit more than that, I would think, right? A little bit. I'm I'm cheap. Okay. (laughs) Matthew's cheap. All right, everybody, that's your next guest. Go after him. Um, (laughs) That's funny. No, I think that you need to really give a reason and do this briefly. I had somebody recently, they wanted to be a guest on my podcast and they reached out to me, which is opposite of what we're talking about, but they sent me a book. I mean, it must have been 800 words and I'm like looking through it and they gave me like 10 different things I could talk about. And I'm like, I don't know, like this is a lot for me to go through it. And I could tell they just copy pasted. It's hello, sir comma, you know, like, like no one calls me, sir. Like I've never been called that before, but at the same time, we'll reach out to guests, like, Hey, I think you'd be a, a good guest. You need more than that. You need to have a reason. If they have a book say, Hey, I, if you read the book or you listen to an overview of it, say, Hey, listen to an overview of your book. I thought it was really good. I think it could serve my audience in these three ways. I'd love to have you as a guest doing something like that is really going to help you find the right people. And on the flip side, when people are asking to be a guest, make sure to really vet them again. Don't say yes to everybody. You have to get comfortable with saying no. The best advice I can give people in this, because a lot of people get uncomfortable with saying no, the best advice I can give you is that they didn't feel obligated to ask to be a guest on your podcast. 
you should not feel obligated to say yes to them being a guest on your podcast. I think that's really, really solid advice. And, you know, I want to take it back a step because you often see people posting in a lot of these Facebook groups and different forums about how do you write your email when you're pitching people to be a guest and all this different stuff. And it's strange, but for me, I've always found simpler is easy. Now, like you said, that's not to say that you can just throw an email to the person, you know, copy and paste and change the name and hope that it gets like, you do need to personalize it a little bit. But I often find that with when I'm sending a request to someone, like if I know they're a good fit and if I think it's a clear value add for everyone involved, less is more. Mm-hmm. 100%. Actually, I don't know if you're a fan of The Office, but- uh, Used to be. Used to be? Okay. At one point, Dwight quotes Michael, which I know they didn't come up with this quote, but he says, uh, Michael would always tell me, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Great advice hurts my feeling every time. But really, that's it. We don't have to overcomplicate this process. You don't need the 20 reasons why they should be a guest. I mean, really, if you send an email that's really brief, one, people are more likely to read it. But two, they can really quickly see, oh, wow, they really connected the dots here. They didn't need to convince me that it was a good fit, right? Like if it's a good fit, it's a good fit. And people are going to notice that. And truthfully, if you write a thousand words or 15 words, it's going to work or it's not going to work. You know, you want to be obviously, like Matthew's saying, you want to be intentional with those words that you use. But again, if it's a good fit, it's it's going to work out. And we need to not overcomplicate the process. Well, and one way to do that is pod match. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> you know, if I could add to that, actually, when you're booking guests after they say yes, you also want to keep it simple there as well. Because I think that a lot of us, we overcomplicate a little bit. I understand the drive and desire for having like an onboarding form. But when you start getting into like a lot of different things, they have like a paragraph to read, they have a video to watch, they have to go through and, and answer your 30 questions beforehand. When you're doing all this, it really makes the booking process very complex. The easier, the less you can give to a guest, the more likely they are to stay engaged and be really interested in it. And again, you should do some of it, but even as simple as the actual booking itself, use a tool like Calendly. I mean, it's free and let them book time in your calendar. Don't make it super complicated for them or anything like that. So I've always had the most success when I started simplifying that process. At first, I missed out on a few guests that technically told me they would be on my podcast, but then with how complicated it was for them to actually be on my show, they said, I just don't have time for this. I look back now, I'm like, wow, I really should have done that differently. I missed out on some big opportunities because I just made it, I scared them away because it was like, wow, this is a job that I have to do to be a guest on this show. Yeah, I mean, part of me is wondering if there's another way for me to do it because with cause pods, I do have a form that I ask people to fill out and it's really not a screener per se. It's mostly just so that when I get ready, because I, I basically allow anybody who has a cause to sign up for the show. So it's like, if you have a cause, like, please jump on causepods.org, right? Like fill out the form. Let me know what you're doing. There's like a 1% chance that I'll say no. But I need to know, like, what's the show about? What's your cause? Like, I want to know from your words. So when I'm asking you about it, I'm not leading the conversation in the wrong place. But right, I've been in the experience where somebody asks you to be on the show and then it's like an eight page form and right. you've got to sign this and send this and scan this. Like, Jesus, if I have to print and scan something <laughs> to get on your show, like, I better be getting paid for this appearance. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Actually, I have no problem with the form. I fill out forms when I'm on podcasts all the time. I really enjoy the simple ones. If they have five or 10 questions, that's cool. When you get into those eight pages of, oh my gosh, like what's your grandma's name? Just in case we need that. It's like, <laughs> what? Like, I don't know. Let me ask her, you know? Like, yeah. And, and again, like I like the idea of using, so my form is attached to my calendar. So it's, yes, it's sometimes impersonal to turn to a person and be like, great, love to have your show. Fill out this form. Like, eh? but also it makes it easy to say, 
here are times, right? Instead of the back and forth of what about this? What about this? What about this? Oh, I already booked that in the time that it took you to answer. Go to the form, find the time that works for you, click, boom, done. And as they say, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> right. I don't know if they really say that, but <laughs> I don't know either. You know, one thing I'll add, I don't mean to like to over talk about something that, that's my product, but Podmatch, the last feature it has aside from the matching and the explorer is actually a messaging back and forth system. We pulled that straight out of dating apps. It's where you plan everything before you schedule it. You can actually do all the scheduling right inside of the app. And we're looking to continuously improve that. But the messaging back and forth makes it really easy to be able to not even have to do emails anymore. You can just message back and forth like a little chat thing and figure out all the details right there. And I found that to be really helpful as well. It's actually my preferred way to do it now because it seems like even less work because it's not so formal at times. And, and I enjoy that side of it. Maybe that's just me personally, but I think that's another cool way to do it. Makes sense. All right. So I think that was five. So what's the last step for finding the next ideal guest for our show without wasting time? The last thing kind of goes to what I was mentioning with like actually booking them. You want to make sure that you ask people afterwards who they recommend. I always think that's a good thing to do. Such a good one. Thank you. (laughs) I think it's just important to make sure that you're, especially if you did a good job, like if the whole thing was a great process from start to finish, they understood they were a good fit. Believe it or not, people that are podcast guests usually know someone else who would make a great guest. And most of my people that have been a guest on my podcast have come from someone else's recommendation. It's not even mine. Like I do some outreach these days, but now I just ask people right afterwards when we're done recording. I'm like, hey, thank you. We're going to share it. We're going to email you when it's out, which we do. We do all these things to make sure that they're informed. But I'm also like, do you know anyone else that might be a good guest based off what you just experienced? And not all of them. Most of them are like, absolutely. I have like three people I'd love to introduce you to. And that really helps a lot. It kind of keeps this whole thing flowing a lot easier. And I think that that's kind of it's not directly involved to to booking guests, but it's really a helpful way to do it just to continue to kind of press on with the same topic there. Right. It's sort of the beginning of, you know, the six steps once again. And I have a client who famously, right when he first started, he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to interview these people that I want to talk to. And then after, if I have a good conversation, I'm going to ask them for two names of somebody else to talk about. Because one, if you had an interesting conversation with the person they're likely to say, oh, yeah, you should talk to someone. Like, this was fun. I want to tell somebody else to come on your show. But more importantly, it grows your network. There are people who you want to talk to, and then there are people you don't know that you want to talk to. And so if you're talking to someone who's interesting and he's just provided with you tons of insight and tons of creativity, it's like, who does this person know? And you get to grow your network. And I've seen it just explode people's networks and opportunities and clients and and everything. So yeah, I'd say that last one is really, really, really an important one and super good advice. And I don't know if this is part of the, it's not part of the list of the six, but you know, you brought up the idea of you're going to send the link, you're going to ask them to share it, but like, do you put an expectation in or how should a podcaster react when they did all the work, they recorded the show, they edited, they produced it, they created a bunch of social, they tagged the person, they did this, and they just get crickets from the guest. What's your advice there? Gosh, I don't know. It happens. You know, it really does. <laughs> and I think it's unfortunate. If you really want to avoid that, then you have to look at what the guest has done previously. Do they ever share that stuff? I had a guest on and I found it afterwards and, and she wasn't like a huge guest. So it wasn't, it sounds weird to say, but it, it's not like I was asking her to share it with millions of people or anything like that. And she just flat out was like, hey, thanks for sending all this stuff. All she said back is I won't share it. I was like, was the episode not good? She goes, no, it was one of my favorite podcasts I've been on. She's like, we just don't share anything unless it's our own original content. I was like, ah, come on. Like I'm brand, it was like right when I started too. I'm like, I'm brand new. I could really use the help and just crickets after that. No response to anything after that. And it happens. You can do a little bit of vetting yourself during that process and just look to see if they share it. I just think it's, 
I don't know, if you enjoyed it, you should share it, I think, right? I mean, I think to, to me, I've never not shared an episode I've been on unless it was absolutely just not good, which has only happened once in nearly 100 podcasts. But yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it just happens. Matthew, you got anything there? I mean, you've seen it happen too. No, I mean, my thoughts are go into it not expecting them to share, right? Like, don't do this because you want them to share your episode. That's wise. If they do, it's a bonus. And if they don't, you don't lose anything. The truth is like, yes, can you get a bump in your podcast from somebody else sharing your episode with their network? Yeah. If they're another podcaster, even better, because right now you're reaching a bunch of people who are, who might be hungry for more content. But the truth is you might see a temporary bump from people who are like, oh, cool. Alex was on the show. All of Alex's friends come and listen. That was great, Alex. And then next week they're all like, Alex isn't here. I'm gone. Right. It's like <laughs> parents at a talent show when their kids are done. Right. They leave the room. So it's cool. And like you might see a temporary bump, but it's not the absolute guaranteed growth engine that you're looking for. So use it, try it. One out of 10 strikes gold and you hit the right audience and you are able to connect with that audience. Great. But if you do it with the expectation and people don't do it, you're going to get disappointed. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to take it out on the wrong people. And you're probably going to wind up with a worse experience and product in the end. Yeah, Matthew, I actually learned something here today. I think that's a really good perspective because also it keeps you subconsciously from getting the wrong guests on your show. Because sometimes you look at the numbers, maybe, you know, I talked about earlier that people really wanted that. But if someone has, let's just let's use a number, you're brand new and someone has 100,000 followers. They're not the best fit for a guest, but you think they'll share it. You might be more interested in saying, yeah, I'd love to have you on the show, even though they're not a good fit. If you look at it as a bonus instead and not a requirement, I think what you just said is extremely wise because it really protects you from bringing the wrong people on and doing podcasting for the wrong reason. Because at the end of the day, you know, what I say about my show, I think it's actually, I know it's something you say about yours as well. If it helps one person, it's worth it. And I've always had that mentality. I'm not chasing numbers. People are always like, what are your downloads? I'm like, I haven't checked in a few weeks. People are like, what? (laughs) For me, I'm like, if it's helping one person, which I know it is because every week, at least one person reaches out to me, then it was a win. And I think that if we get too focused on, well, I want them to share it so I get more numbers, I think that maybe it breeds the wrong mindset for us in podcasting. Well, and literally right before we hit record, you were telling me about the show. And I literally said to Alex, I was like, I do the show for one person, me. Like <laughs> if other people are listening, fantastic. Let me know. I want to know. And like, let me know if there are other things that I should be covering that I'm thinking of. But this show is for my exploration, for my curiosity, for my opportunity to meet and discover new things right here. Podmatch. I know there are lots of other platforms for podcast guesting and I might not have ever come across this one and I'm ecstatic that I did because it is different and innovative and you know it might get me that next opportunity that I didn't know was going to be out there so it's okay to podcast selfishly unless your whole goal is to grow your audience to huge numbers and then sell mattresses do it as if only one person's going to listen and if you can do it like that and you can enjoy doing it you'll probably have a better show and more people will want to listen wisdom straight up man that's good well it has been an absolute pleasure, Alex, chatting with you. Alex Filippo. he is the founder of Podmatch. He is also the host of Creating a Brand Podcast. We'll put a link to, obviously, both of those in the show notes. But if you Google them, you'll find them absolutely really easy. Alex, thank you so much for joining us here today. Yeah, Matthew, I really appreciate the time. 